Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Down the blind, Andrew John. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle and won. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. I was lucky enough to jump on the Project Blonde Podcast yesterday with Aiden. You've probably seen his stuff on Instagram. If you haven't, have a look at some of his designs. They are unreal at blonde, B-L-O-N-D dot P-S-D. So blonde essentially without the E on the end. I jumped on with Aiden to talk about all things finals week one, a really deep dive into the first week of the final series in the NRL. Really enjoyed this chat. As I always say, if you've got your own podcast, whether it's footy, sport, whatever it might be, and you'd like to have me on, more than willing to jump on with anyone and have a yarn. So send me a message if you are keen. Really enjoyed this chat with Aiden. Make sure you go and check out his podcast, Project Blonde, having people on every Every week, I believe. Really good chat. There's video content to go along with it. We had a couple of technical difficulties throughout this one, so I think I'm going to jump on again over the next week or two so we can get the video content right. But really enjoyed this chat, and I'll hand it over to Aiden now with Project Blonde. Welcome back to another episode of Project Blonde. Uh, today, I'm here with the one and only uh, Rugby League Guru. How you going, bro? Yeah, good, mate. All going well. Uh, loving the footy at the moment. Cracking week of finals, week one. Can't wait to get stuck into week two, mate. How are you travelling? Yeah, good, bro. Good. Um, yeah, definitely a great week of footy, that's for sure. Um, you know, being down in lockdown and being down in Sydney, it's um, some tough times at the moment, but footy's, uh, finals footy is definitely keeping me going. Mate, I'd be in serious Barney Rubble without some footy, I'll tell you that much. Far out. Um, so just just to kick off, man. Uh, for those that don't know you, I know that there's a lot of people that do. You're a massive, um, you know, massive person in in the rugby league space and, and podcasting space. But um, just tell us a little bit about yourself, man, and how you got started. Yeah, mate, started the page uh, probably two or three years ago. Was right into my super coach, uh, so started off as super coach guru, and uh, I don't know more and more found myself just talking general footy and uh, got to the point, you know, where people were commenting all the time, uh, shut up, stay in your super coach corner sort of thing. So I thought, ah, uh, 
you know what, if I'm going to talk about footy this much, I might as well expand out. Still kept the super coach, uh, super coach side of things. I uh, still love my super coach, but it just allowed me to talk more footy as well. So transferred to rugby league guru and, uh, yeah, mate, I've absolutely loved it. It's been going for about three years now. Started the podcast about two years ago, which is going sensationally. Uh, absolutely love it, mate. Just a, just a footy nut like yourself, like the vast majority of people that will be tuning into this and, uh, yeah, just creating the platform that uh, that I always sort of wanted for myself as a fan. So, yeah, mate, really enjoying it. Starting to get some good traction and whatnot. So, yeah, having a good time with it all, mate. Sounds good. Uh, we'll get into the first game um, from finals week, week one. Uh, Storm versus Manly. Storm obviously got up in that game 40 to 12. You just want to give us your initial take on that game and, and anything else? Yeah, mate, we, we've been huge on the Melbourne Storm since the start of the year. Uh, we, we took them to win this premiership, and I'm more confident now than ever. Uh, this Manly team, they've been great the last few months, but, I mean, it was just boys versus men the other night. I think the Manly Seagulls, they probably gave away too many penalties, too many errors early in this game, and if you're going to give the Melbourne Storm an inch, they're going to take a mile. It's just the reality of this system. They're just too good. Uh, I felt like Cam Munster, it's like he's been treading water for the last, what feels like six months, essentially, but... You saw his running game start to come into the piece the other night, and uh, he's just looking so damaging at the moment. Ryan Pappenhausen, I'm sure we'll touch on him. I mean, three weeks ago, we were wondering if Pappy was going to ever recover, essentially. Jeez, he's answered all those questions, hasn't he? 100%. I, um, I was listening to the captain's run by um, Cameron Smith last week with, with Kempi, and, you know, Kempi was just saying, you know, how, how do you think Manly, um, uh, how do you think Storm can, can shut down Manly? And they just said, Shut down, shut down Turbo. So, although Turbo's not a one one player team, um, you know there's definitely some talent there at, at, in the Manly side. But um, you know Tommy's a massive contribution to to the success that they've had this year, um, without a doubt. And I guess that's, that's hard to argue with that. But you know I think they've done a, a great job. Um, you know really really nailing down on, on his plays and, and involvement in the game. So um, that's where I think personally Melbourne probably played their best footy over the weekend. Um, obviously, they had some great players themselves in attack, but um, just in defence, shutting down Turbo and, and the rest of the boys, just, just making them force errors. It was kind of like, you know, they were playing that good of defensive football. Manly were just, you know, throwing the ball around and essentially just playing against themselves. So. And, uh, I've, I've never seen that. Well, I mean, in the last probably four months, I've never seen that Manly pack just look so irrelevant they just they just could not get any momentum through the Melbourne Storm and then Cam Munster would just handle every last tackle perfectly he would just drop it on Turbo's head with not much room to work with there was a couple that he sort of rolled on the ground from about 30 metres away that Turbo he couldn't really attack I think there was one that he knocked on as well it was just it was a masterclass of how to deal with these situations and given by a team that I mean 9 Hayne was untouchable came up against Melbourne in that grand final nothing 2012 Barber was untouchable, came up against Melbourne in that grand final. Bellamy did a number on him. I think people have got to remember too, 2017, the Cowboys, Michael Morgan and Tao Malolo, they were untouchable that year once Thurston went down. They got to that grand final. I think they lost by 30 or 40 points. So they're just that sort of a football team at the moment. They are, uh, they're just so impressive, the Melbourne Storm, and they've been able to do this for a long time. And i got to tell you, I wasn't overly surprised that they found a way to shut down Tom Travoy, which I wasn't sure how they were going to do it. I, I probably still don't have an understanding of how they did it exactly, uh, but it doesn't shock me that they did, mate. Just that sort of a system. Yeah, 100%. And there was uh, obviously a bit of controversy, as there is in, uh, as there, as, as there is in any rugby league game. Um, 28th minute, Cherry Evans, um, you know, forward pass call for half of the 
hit the chalk, but that was forward back. So I don't think, you know, it didn't impact the result, in my opinion. Obviously, you know, Melbourne went on to score a few more neat pies after that, but um, Melbourne are just Melbourne, man. They're just, they're just too good, different breed. Oh, mate, exactly. And, you know, when you're going to put that much pressure on a halfback and you're going to force him to do a two-hand tap-on that's flat, no one's expecting it, sometimes you're going to get those calls go your way. I mean, you've got to give credit to Melbourne. They read that play perfectly. They pressured DCE. I mean, it probably wasn't forward, but I can understand why the referees called it that way. And it comes down to the pressure from Melbourne. I mean, the next set anyway, DCE, they had an absolute... That was a dreadful set. They had an entire set of six on the Melbourne Storm line. Tom Trevojevic didn't touch it once, and you could just see they had no structure. They were just running around, and DCE made a terrible set look good with a kick on the end of it, which really saved their ass. So, yeah, as much as that controversial, you know, forward pass call happened, they scored the next set anyway. It was the same result, and dare I say they didn't even deserve that at the end of that set of six. So, Melbourne, just too clinical, mate. Um, Yeah, I mean, they did it without Brandon Smith for the majority of the game. He obviously brained him early, but... You normally get huge impact from the cheese in his second stint when he comes on and plays through the middle third. They didn't get that. They still managed to dominate. I thought that Kamakamika and Nelson Asafa-Solomona, they are going to be the difference this year. They haven't had them for the last few months, or the last few weeks at least. And those two coming back, once you put cheese back into that side, his uh, his facial fracture, he's been cleared of that, so he's all good. Mate, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with, no doubt about it. Who's, um, who's your impact player or man of the match for this game? Uh, from that one, geez, Brandon Smith, he was definitely heading in the right direction. I, I, I think Pappenhausen probably for the entire game probably takes. You could, you could tell me Munster as well. Mate, they're, they're, they're one of these sides that you know, they, they tend not to have one guy that stands head and shoulders above the rest. There tends to be three or four guys. Like I thought the two edge back rowers were unreal as well, Kenny Bromwich and Felice Cafusi. They might be the most underrated two players in this competition. Uh you look at them, you look at their stature, their skill set, and they don't compare to the kick owls, you know, the Pangai Juniors, these sort of guys, but they just do a job week in, week out. They just, they generate meters, they bend the line. Kenny Bromwich has got a great little skill set to him as well. So, I, I, you know, for the first 20 minutes, I thought it was Brandon Smith that blew him away. I think he laid on two. That pass he threw to Christian Welsh was unbelievable. A great line by Welsh as well. Uh-huh. Courageous line. Man, imagine running that line into the inside shoulder of Marty Tapao. No, thank you. Miss me it, with that. It just looked like, no one, it looked like no one wanted to touch Walsh. He just went over. Yeah. Easy, right. but, um, yeah. Anyway, bro, moving on to game two. Um, yeah, as I said, it's rugby league. It's going to be controversy. But, um, obviously, Bruce has won 25-24. I know you're a big fan of uh, Victor Radley, so... He was the man to start off for you uh, with getting a um, a very a very similar result to Parramatta yesterday. Um, you know, tackle without the ball as he's going to you know pick up the ball and score a try. But um, the result in this one actually went the opposite way to Parramatta. Um, this was a no try, peachy turn in the bin. Um, what were your thoughts on that, man? Do you think it was? you know, a penalty try or? Uh, I didn't think it was a penalty try just because you can't be, for for me to give a penalty try, I need to be 100% sure that he's going to catch that ball. He's going to put it down. It was likely he was going to, but you can't be 100%, which is why I thought the penalty try later in the weekend was a little bit controversial. I think it's, it's that word that we always come back to in the NRL consistency that always worries me. I wouldn't have given Radley as much as I love the bloke and I had him as an anytime try scorer. I wouldn't have given it a try. Uh, I, I would have gone with the Symbian. I think they made the right call there. They did mess it up later though, but 
I'll tell you what, the Titans, you, you have a look at those 24 points they scored. I mean, there was a rebound kick. Um, there was the one where Ikevalu knocked it on coming off his own line. I mean, has there ever been a worse team that have ha- like hung in the contest in a finals game? I I felt sorry for Patrick Herbert. but everyone's bagging him. But fuck, I don't think they... One, I don't think they deserve to play finals footy this year with a record of 10 and 14. And two, I don't think they deserve to be yeah. near the Roosters in that game. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, I thought the Roosters had him for probably the first 50. Um, and then Titans just started slowly creeping back in. But, you know, again... They weren't they weren't really set plays to be honest. Like a lot of them were off, you know, errors, Ikvalu dropping it, um, and going straight into the hands and then you know, going over for meat pie for the Titans. But um yeah, I think I just think, you know, fifty minutes on there was some errors from the Roosters that led to you know, obviously Titans conceding some points. But um in terms of Sam Walker though, man, um, I think Roosters I, I really respect the way that they're heading within the direction that they're going in. Um, obviously, it's still a, quite a small build, um, and, and similar to myself as well. I'm not the biggest biggest bloke out there. I don't play rugby anymore, but um, you know, I would have loved for the coach to say, you know what, we'll bring you on it, you know, when we need you the most. Um, and Sam Walker, man, like to be a rookie this year, to step up in those big moments, it's crazy. Like people think, you know, oh, it's just a field goal. You know, any team can do this at any time. It, it's fine as footy, as I said before. It's a, it's a different ball game. Um, and for Sam Walker just to be so composed the way that he is, that's, that's, that's scary. Oh, mate. Um, yeah, definitely got some. It's terrifying yeah, how right, Sam Walker is. He is – people forget, he, he didn't play rugby league last year. I mean, he has missed a key year of development when he's 17, 18, and he's coming to first grade in a team that – that's the other thing. I mean, Sam Walker had limited time in the preseason as the starting halfback, but the limited time he did have – he had Boyd Cordner outside him. He had Lindsay Collins. He had Jake Friend. He had all these superstars that are now gone when he's walked in, and he's been just as, sex, uh, as successful as what he probably would have been with them. It's uh, it's incredibly impressive what Walker's doing. And there was a moment there in the back end of that game where he actually missed the tackle on Bo Former, and he chased him down, and he did make that tackle, which was a good effort. But, geez, I'll tell you what, it could have been a very different narrative if he doesn't chase him down. I think if those two just run straight instead of crossing over each other, you go from Sam Walker being the hero to uh, potentially being the villain conceding that try. But I, I think he deserves that moment of the field goal. And, yeah, as you said, people say, oh, it's just a field goal. Right? Take yourself down to the park and try and kick a field goal. Then try and kick a field goal with 115. Mate, fuck, it is, it's a tough gig. People... People undervalue that skill set unbelievably. Yeah. Um, speaking about different narratives, um, we did speak before about Herbert and his and his uh, you know no pass. I think if you put in Tafita's uh, hands, sorry, or um, Thompson's hands, that's the rest of the season over. Basically, I know you know you mentioned before um, the Titans' record this year; they probably didn't deserve to make the eight. Um, I did think that you know what we saw in the second half of them from the 50 minutes onwards. Um, you know, it's, it's hopeful for next year. Um, you know, if you were a Titans fan, you know, you should be extremely proud of the way that they did make the eight. Um, I know, obviously, there was a massive margin between, you know, the bottom eight and the top eight. But, um, yeah, I just think I just think there's some promising signs there for Titans. I think, you know, young Jaden Campbell, I think he's a weapon. He's, he, um, he has a... I think he's plays a pretty different ball game to his dad, to be honest. I think, you know... Um, if we compare it to boxing, you know, you've got Tim Zhu and, and his dad. 
um, everyone just says, oh, you know, you wouldn't be as good as you are without your, your father and stuff. But, you know, these boys are making a name for themselves. Tim Zoo is making a name for himself. And, you know, you are a family heirloom and you are carrying that last name. And so I think, you know, Jaden Campbell's just making a statement for his own. So it's, it's good to see some promising signs there. I think it's the biggest myth of all time that sons of guns have an easy ride through. I think it puts a heap more pressure on them, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I had Jackson Hastings on the podcast, obviously the son of Kevin Hastings, and mate, he, he said it was just hell. It was everyone was comparing him to him, and even when he was successful, people would just say, oh, it's because he's Kevin's son. Like, it's, it's a hard balance to get right. I know people think that it's a cakewalk if you're someone's son, but... Geez, there's a lot of challenges that come along with it that I think a lot of these guys handle incredibly well. And I love what Jaden Campbell's doing at the moment. The way that he just attacks the footy on every single play is unreal. And the thing that stands out for me with Jaden Campbell is that, I mean, he's, he's not a teenager that's come in and he's playing really good footy against the shit teams. He shows up against the best teams. I mean, he's played Melbourne twice yeah. this year. I'm storm, yeah. Yeah, and he'd have to be top three players on the field against Melbourne in both those games for me. I mean, he is just a real goer, isn't he? Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I think there's some, as I said, there's some promising signs there, not only for, uh, for Campbell and his, his career ahead of him, but just the Titans in general, man. Like, I think if, you know, they've got Pino in this year. Um, they're starting to feed off, you know, again, it's controversy, but um, whether to feed off should be on that money, I say to that, like, it is. Sometimes players ask for it, but if you know Titans are willing to play and, and, they're, and they're playing for it, then that's their decision as a club. So um, you know you can't you can't bag you can't bag a guy for just trying to go out and get it if um, a club's willing to accept it. So yeah, that's my that's my take on Safita. But um, in well, terms mate, of the impact I, I, of this I, game, I completely agree with you. It's funny in rugby league how often we we blame the player. I mean. If someone puts a heap of money in front of you, of course you're going to sign it. Oh, I can't believe how fans try and pin the players for this stuff. Like, I mean, you have a look at the Dragons and, and Ben Hunt. I love Ben Hunt. Would I pay him a million a season? Not a hope in hell, but why am I yelling at Ben Hunt for that? What, like, why aren't people pointing yeah. the fingers at the clubs, the people that actually write these contracts? Like, how can you put the person that signs it at more responsibility than the person that writes it? It's just, it's so backwards. You know, as much as we love the game of rugby league, like, it is a business, you know? Yep clubs, you see it all the time. We saw it with Savito this year, the Broncos just say, you know what, start looking elsewhere. They can they can turn around and just do that. They've um you know, Tarek Sims with the Dragons, he wanted to sign a long term deal and be their, you know, long form forward for the club and, you know, tell them to pack his bags and, and look elsewhere. So, you know, players they need to take care of themselves as well, man. Like if someone's gonna throw a million dollars at me to play, like you're gonna take it. So you're not gonna say, Oh, you know, I think I'm only worth six hundred K fucking give me that instead. And, mate, it's funny. When it goes the other way, for example, the Parramatta Eels, they're geniuses because they've got Isaiah Papaliti on 400K because they signed him unders. The club, what a masterstroke. Well done. But if you sign someone for overs, it's the faults put on the player. It's just – it's mm. crazy, mate. It just – the more you think about it, the less it makes sense, essentially. Yeah. So I've got a – I couldn't quite pick one player for this game, for the Titans and Roosters game. So I've got Jared Wallace, James uh, Tedesco, and Radley. They're my top three for this one. Um, you know, I think Wallace was that intercept. I don't know if he was expecting it, but he got it. So uh, it was good to see. It didn't, it didn't quite have the legs on him um, as expected, but, you know, it was great to see. Um, and, you know, he obviously for Ikevali try, he went over as well. So, um, yeah, spiked a bit of life into that second half for the Titans, I think. Oh, mate, for sure. To be honest with you, at the start of this year, I thought Jared Wallace was 
you know, heading on his way out of the NRL, to be honest with you. But this year, he's just gone to another level once again. He's he's gone back to playing that that sort of style of football that saw him play State of Origin. Uh, the other two you mentioned, Radley and Teddy, I said on my Instagram, I, I think this is the most underrated combo in rugby league. I know people are aware that they're both good players, but they lift each other up to a whole new level when they're both on the field. And I think it's probably got to do with the amount of time that Radley spends off the field realistically. I think people forget just how dangerous these two are. But, I mean, they almost set up the first one, that controversial one that got Peachy Sinbind. Um, they had a hand in their first try, both of them, and then Radley put Tedesco over for another one of their tries. I mean, they only scored four tries. That was three tries between the two of these blokes. I mean, they are just – they're something else, these two. I like, And, of course, they're, they're best mates off the field. And for me, that stuff really matters. It just it just adds another little layer to that combo. You look at Nathan Cleary and Jerome Luai – They've had years of time spent together. It's the same as anything. You spend hours upon hours with guys off the field. You get to you get to know them. You get to understand them better, and it pays dividends on the field. And Radley and Teddy, they're a classic example to me. Yeah, even with um, even with Bradley, um, at the start of the game, you know, he went down and he was grabbing at that shoulder, and I was like, "Shit, man! Like this could be this could be bad." And he gets up, and minutes later, you know, puts Teddy over for for a meat pie. So, um, yeah. Just exceptional, exceptional. You know, Teddy's Teddy's Teddy. We all we all know what to expect from him. And you know, there's his whole is Tedesco. Oh, sorry, is uh, Turbo better than Teddy? You know, I wouldn't argue with you if you said he was. But you have to remember, Teddy has won a grand final. He's got that M. And you know, Turbo. You know, he's had an exceptional year, and he's been compared to you know Kane oh nine, Barber twenty twelve, but. You know, Teddy's just consistent, like all around the park. He's been consistent since he's been in the game, really. Um, especially at Roosters, obviously. Um, there's a bit of stuff with the Tigers that went on in the past, but you know, since he's since he's found a home at Bondi, um, he's just the consistent king, in my opinion. So I don't think you know he hasn't he hasn't gotten worse as a player, and, and Turbo shot up past him or anything like that. I just think he's just everyone's used to what he does now, so. Yeah, mate, that's the other thing. I mean, I love Trevojevic. I think he's had the best season ever, but he hasn't stood up in a finals game yet. And Tedesco has done it time and time again, as has Radley. I think people forget with Radley that if it wasn't for, you know, the injury last year and then the suspension this year, he would have played six games of origin. And, mate, tell me from what you've seen of Victor Radley, has there ever been a player that is more suited to state of origin than Victor Radley? Like, if he had, if he had six games under his belt... I reckon he would just be so he would be considered so much higher than what he is. He's and I have no doubt that if you put Radley and Cam Murray in the same team, mate, Cam Murray gets pushed to the edge straight away, and he'd be unreal out there, no doubt about it. But Radley at thirteen, he's just a different beast. Yeah, um, but yeah, I'm 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 pretty happy with the result from the weekend. Um, as I said, that pass if it gets through, probably you know writes a different narrative for the rest of the season, but. You know, it is what it is. We can't we can't stay on that for too long. And um, you know, obviously there was some frustration said from Thompson. You're going to get that. It's finals. You know, he he wrote a he put up a story after and he goes, "I love you, brother. Like it's all good. Like I'm sorry or whatever." Um, it's just it's it's passionate football. Like you're going to get frustrated in these moments. So um, yeah. Anyway, moving on to game three, we had Penrith Panthers versus South Sydney Rabbitohs. Rabbitohs ended up sneaking away with the upset of 16-10. Something that we never saw coming. What were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, did not see this coming at all. I 
And, and this is why I thought Friday night was going to be the most important game of the season because it was going to put the losing team out of Melbourne and Manly on the side of the Panthers. This competition's been turned on its head now. I, I gave South Sydney very little hope, um, and I've heard about it from each and every one of them this weekend, which is fair enough. Uh, but, mate, for South Sydney to win this game, and, and the most impressive, obviously they've done it without Latrell. We, we all know that narrative, but more impressive to me, they played the full 80 minutes. They haven't done that at all this year. They haven't been able to do it. And, I mean, you've you got to remember as well, you know, Penrith scored the first try in about the fifth or sixth minute. It was They were down early. Uh, when you concede early to Penrith, mate, it's hard to build yourself back up. So to see South Sydney do what they did, uh, incredible. And I still don't think it's the best of South Sydney. I still think they can play better. And I, like the Penrith Panthers had opportunities as well. They just didn't them count. They look a little bit... A bit rattled to me. I, Paul Kent, uh, he said that they're you know they're they're done and dusted. I think that's a little bit of a stretch, but geez, they they definitely look a little bit rattled to me. I was uh, I was very surprised by the Panthers' performance, and you know old Wayne Bennett in his press conference, he's done an absolute special on Ivan Cleary this week. He's paying rent in his head. So um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think I think Cleary just got done by the best just quietly. Yeah. Um... Who was it? I think it was um, Gus Gould put up that thing, the movie poster of Penrith and they're like, Choker coming this week in cinemas now. Um, <laughs> so, it's, um, look, Penrith aren't a bad team and I definitely wouldn't rule them out because of this. Yeah. You know, I was, I was watching, um, you know, NRL rap last night um, and they were, they were kind of just riding off Penrith already, um, which I think is ridiculous, really. you got Parramatta that they're coming up against. I'm a Paris supporter, man, and you know, I just don't think that they even have the squad yet, to be completely honest with you. And that's me being non-biased. I'd love to say, you know, oh, we're going to be you know, premiers this year and the year after and the year after that. But um, I don't think they've got the squad yet. Um, and, you know, they go quiet in some games, let's be honest. They're not, they're not the consistent Melbourne Storm or the Penrith Panthers that we do see. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think Penrith get it done with, with Parra uh, this week and um, gives them a bit more confidence and kind of helps them forget about the loss to the Rabbitohs. So. Um, but Blake Taff, man, wow. Oh, mate, wow, he, wow, wow. He, he is a real talent. I was I was very nervous for him. Oh, I'm not going to hide away from that, but he was incredibly impressive. And I have no doubt whatsoever that part of the thinking of letting Adam Reynolds go is because they have got a guy like him in this side. And, I think for the vast majority of people that have only seen him play first grade, he's always played fullback. He's actually been a halfback coming through. So I think he's going to play a really important role moving forward for this side. I'm not saying he will be the halfback, but I think he's going to have um, a bit of a different role moving forward. I mean, you've got to remember as well, like as impressive as Taff is, what are they going to do next year when Luttrell walks back into this side? I mean, does Taff become the seven? Is he the 14? Do they move Luttrell to center? I don't know. It's... I think I think maybe you know. Obviously, if we have a look at Cameron Smith, he had Harry Grant and, and the Cheese coming through, and you know he, he made the responsible call that his time was over. Um, as much as I'd hate to see Benji retire from the game because he's been you know such a great player and such a such a big um, contribution to NRL, um, I think you know he's, he's a humble enough guy to step down and, and let some of these younger boys through. So you know when when Trevor comes back. I think you can maybe expect Blake Taff in the in the halves with Walker, but um, yeah, six NRL games, man, and to step up in finals like that, like one try, this 113 meters, 18 runs, like it's nuts. 
Yeah, and I think the thing that stood out for me is that he made an early mistake and he bounced back from it. I mean, could you imagine the head noise? Mm. All he's heard all week is people saying, you're going to drop Cleary's balls all over the place, and he did, and he bounced back from it. That's unreal to me. I think it's going to be interesting with Taff over the next few years. As you said, I'm assuming Benji will retire. Taff jumps into the 14. I would imagine there's going to be a heap of clubs that are going to want to try and get Blake Taff's signature. Um, And you've got to remember, if he's... You know, if he's considering leaving next year or the year after, Wayne Bennett's not the coach anymore. It's uh, it's Demetrio. So for, for me, I don't know. I think they're going to find it hard to convince Taft to stay at this club to wear jersey 14. If he's not going to get the fullback no. role, if he misses out on the seven jersey, uh, he's a guy that they could potentially lose just out of circumstance, which would be terrible. But, I mean, that's the price you pay. Um, for success and having young guys that are really talented in this footy side. So very interesting to watch moving forward, though, South Sydney. And obviously, Dane Gagai's leaving. So, I mean, do you play Latrell at centre? I, I don't know. I, I, I think he's been too good to move out of fullback. But trying to fit all these guys into the one team, it's going to be difficult. 100%. Um, obviously, as you spoke about before, you know, Rabbitohs put this entire competition on its head. I remember a couple of months ago, it was kind of just a, a Panthers and Storm race. Um, you know, here's, here's the grand final rematch on the cards, and then I was kind of almost certain it was on the cards, and Manly kind of stuck in. Um, Rabbitohs lost Troll, they kind of ruled Rabbitohs out. So I think, you know, South have just done, you know, the fans of rugby league are, are, are great justice here, although we would have loved to see a, um, a grand final rematch from last year. It's, um, I think now the pressure's really on. We're going to see who's the fittest of them all and come out on top, so. And, mate, I, I think, yeah, my, uh, like, if you look at the Manly Seagulls now, far out, it might not be a bad thing to lose week one of the finals now. Like, granted, I still don't want to yeah. underrate South Sydney. Don't get me wrong, but, fuck, give me give me South Sydney over Penrith in a prelim final any day of the week. And then if you do manage to oh, win that, you yeah. take on the Melbourne Storm or the Panthers who have just played each other. They're going to have to play two grand finals in a row to win this competition now. So it's... Uh, pretty much, pretty much. Right. Um, I have Cameron Murray to, to impact player. I think he's you know part of par with Bradley. Um, you know they're both just their intensity wise. They're just on another level. You know they're always in big plays, um, and you know they're creating games that people want to watch. Like obviously most people are going to want to watch Penrith and take on South Sydney in the finals. But having having people like Cam Murray show up and just and just create this whole level of intensity and and just inspire the boys to um to push forward and, and, and get the upset. It's um to what you want to say. So Cameron Murray had eighteen runs, hundred and forty four run meters, fifty five uh post contact meters, two tackle breaks and thirty three tackles. Like numbers are just they're all they're all double digits except for the tackle breaks. Obviously, you know, forwards are, are there to just mark their mark their territory on, on the defensive line. But um yeah, big big effort there from Cam Murray. And you know, it was hard to split these ones for me. Um, I was looking at all the players. I was uh, re-watching some of the highlights as well, just to try and make my decision easier. And it wasn't easy, you know. The Rabbitohs boys just turned up as one team. And that's what I think Wayne kind of put his intentions to. They just said, you know, back each other. If you want to run, you know, we saw Dan Gagai um, make that line break down the side. And someone was there on the inside supporting him. Um, there's nothing worse than saying, you know, one of your outside backs make a break and or even in the middle of the field and no one's there. So it's um it just seems like the Rabbitohs boys turned up for each other. Mate, it's the old uh 
uh, the best 13 always beats the 13 best, isn't it? It's just what Wayne Bennett's built his whole career around. Uh, I think Cam Murray, as you said, like you just read out his stats and you know, when, when you think about those sort of stats this year, you normally look at the score sheet and it's 40 to 10. Mate, it was 16 to 10 in this game. Like To have the impact mm-hmm. that he did on this game was incredible. I thought Jaden Sewer, he's obviously leaving at the end of the year, but I thought he was great in this game. I think Wayne Bennett's gone off him a little bit this year, but he compared him to... Uh, Tony Carroll at the end of last year and mate Tunza was tough as nails and a proper leader and for some, some of those shots that that, 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 that Sewer put on Penrith the other night teams just haven't been doing that to them for the last 18 months I thought yeah. he was massive I, I, I think he'll he'll be a decent little signing for the Dragons I thought Tom Burgess as well he's had his best season in years I I thought he had cans for hands for the last three years. It was hard to watch sometimes, but he has improved yeah. out of sight this year. So, mate, credit to Wayne once again. You have a look at this forward pack on paper, and it shouldn't really compete against these top sides. I mean, this Penrith mob's got Savita Pangai Jr. and Liam Martin coming off the bench. Like, what is that? You know, that's that you you yeah. if if you offered South Sydney Tavita Pangai Jr. and Liam Martin, they're in the starting second row. But Wayne Bennett, he just gets yeah. the very best out of his side consistently. He's very, very good at what he does, isn't he? Very, very good. Um, but moving on to the next game. Um, yeah, last last game was great. Panthers-Rabbits, um, as I said. You know, now, because Penrith have lost and Parramatta have won this game against the Knights, um, winning 28-20. to 20. You know, it's going to be a, a tough ask for Parramatta to try and, um, you know, I, I thought they'd just, it was pretty. It was pretty even, in my opinion. I thought Eels maybe you know led led the game a little bit better against the Knights yesterday, um, just by a fraction. Like they weren't very convincing, in my opinion. And I'm a I'm a diehard Para fan, but um, I think they're going to you know struggle next week. Uh, sorry, struggle this weekend against Panthers. Pen- Pen- so, um, but yesterday, you know, I thought they both both played pretty well. Um, you know, there's a few errors here and there. Um, I thought. In the first half, you know, Parra weren't really... Um, oh, sorry, second half. Um, Parra were, you know, up at night's trial line and they were just coughing away opportunities. Like, just simple simple errors, just passing the ball, just dropping it, um, dropping it all these cold. So, um, you know, I thought it was a, a forward defensive game for sure. Um, you know, you had the Saifidi brothers, Nathan Brown, Junior Polo, um, which might be suspended as well for some pretty big shots. But, uh, yeah, I thought Moses as well, you know. Um, there's some big, some big talk around him in, in the big games. You now we throw him in Origin, and then he picked up that that spinal injury as well. So um, I think, you know, I thought he adjusted this game. Um, I thought, you know, once they um, once they started playing more of a of a team um, role rather than rather than individual role, um, you know, Moses kind of just he just let loose. He started running the ball more. You know, that amazing try where he just cut through the defensive line and and pounces over the that's over the try line. Um, you know, I think he's, you know, he's getting to the stage now where he's able to handle those bigger games and stuff, and and the pressure doesn't weigh on his shoulders as much as it usually has in the past. Mate, if I was coaching Mitch Moses, I I would say to him, you need to run at least eight times. I want I want to see you run at least. I don't care if you get whacked. I don't care if you go for negative meters. He just needs to be running. It's when he's playing his best footy, when he's confident, when he's smiling, when he's taking the line on. I mean. That try that he scored the other night, uh, the other afternoon, I mean, like, it's not like he beat a slob in front of him. That was David Clemery beat. He was a kangaroo's front rower a couple of years ago. Mitch, when he's confident, 
There's not many guys better than him. And I, I thought the game that he played on the weekend was unbelievable. I was so impressed with him. As you said, he played Origin this year. A lot of people bagged him. The reality is, if he would have won, lost, drawn that game, it doesn't matter. People are still going to bag Mitch Moses. Unfortunately, we have these yeah. guys in rugby league that it doesn't matter what they do, they're going to get bagged. Sowie was the same. Finchie was the same. We're always going to have these guys. And Mitch Moses can do whatever the hell he wants. It's going to be very hard for him to shake that tag, unfortunately. It's a bit like his opposing halfback, Mitch Pierce. Like people, it's, it's taken 12 years of really solid first grade from Mitch Pierce for people to go, oh, okay, maybe it's not all his fault sort of thing. I think Mitch Moses is going to be yeah. very similar. I thought he was very impressive. I love this center that you guys have got, Will Penasini. I think he's going to be oh, an absolute done, star. He is a weapon. And, you know, you, you saw all those highlights of Joseph Suwali coming through, and I remember sitting there watching it and, Mate, Penasini was the bloke that was putting him through all these holes. And I you know, I, I remember watching and just going, fuck, who is that kid that's giving him the ball? Like, yeah, Suwali was unbelievable, but this Penasini, he is really special. And I think people forget he's only played three or four first-grade games as well. So, mate, there's so much upside in so many of these kids, him playing his first ever finals game. Um, and marking up against Bradman Best too. I mean, on his day, Bradman Best is one of the premier centres in our game. And... Penasini just did a number on him. I mean, it, it wasn't even close, to be honest with you, that contest, which I think says the absolute world about him. A very, very impressive performance. I thought Regan Campbell-Gillard coming back, he was massive as well. He really took it oh, to the Saifetti brothers. Oh, he was... He, yeah. He's a guy... I remember as the game kicked off, I, 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 I was talking to one of my mates who really knows his footy, and I said, oh, what, what do you think of Regan Campbell-Gillard? Like, Would you describe him as, as a really good a really good first grade prop or like a, a representative prop. And he said, mate, he's, he's not a rep prop, but he's probably the very best of just your, your first grade sort of props. And then he just went out and just whacked everyone inside. It was a, it was a very impressive performance from him. And I didn't think he'd have that much impact to be perfectly honest with you, but it's, it's also the different body shape he brings. You got Nathan Brown, who's just like a, a little nugget, but tough as nails. Then you got junior Paulo, just this big juggernaut, then you got Regan Campbell-Gillard, who's just all legs and knees, and it, it makes it really hard to tackle three different body shapes like that consistently. Um, I, I know that's something that I, I hear a lot of the first graders talk about, that when you've got, you know, if you had three junior Paulos, as much as they're big and they're tough, you get used to tackling the, those body shapes. Whereas if you get a set of six where you've got three different body shapes coming at you, it can be a nightmare. The only thing I worry about with the Eels, and I, I couldn't understand why, Isaiah Papali and Ryan Madison weren't in the starting team. That really oh, blew me yeah. away. I, I, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, you go. Yeah, for me, for me, Ryan Madison, um, you know, he, he, he turns up on some games and, you know, I, I, I rate him as a player for sure, but um, I think, you know, Papali, like, that's, that's crazy talk not to, not to put him in. I think Sean Lane is probably his, um, is probably his person that I would switch with. Um, Sean Lane hasn't been that impressive to me uh, this year. Um, he's copped a few uh, screams at the TV on my end, but um, yeah, I, I just think you know Sean Lane. He's um, more of that. He's got a tall build on him. He's, uh, he's pretty lanky as well. Like he's he's pr- a little bit taller, but more lanky than than anything. And I think you know if you bring him on later in the game, you know, and, and, and Moses is putting up a chip over. You know, over the try line for Newcastle, and, and you need someone to jump up and grab it. Sean Lane's your, your boy, so and you know the forwards aren't going to jump when they're exhausted. So, um, you know that's how I'd probably utilise Sean Lane to be honest. But yeah, not starting probably. I think he's you know it's arguably that I think you know he's our best forward this year. Um, he's having a, a, a sensational season. 
Um, but, you know, Mitchell Moses coming back to him, you know, he's probably my impact player. Um, he's probably played the best I've seen him in a, in a couple of weeks, couple of months. But, um, you know, I, th- I thought later in that first half, that's when he, his kicking game started to, you know, find rhythm and, and um, you know, he started to take more control of the game. Um, and he was putting a lot of, like, a lot of pressure um, to keep the Knights boys, you know, in, in their half, let alone in front of their, uh, in front of their trial line. So, yeah, it's, it's Mitch Moses for me. I think even when those those grubber kicks were going into the in goal area, like he was he was kicking him and he was the first one making the tackles to, to keep him there. So um, you just saw like the screams and the celebrations after every play that he was making, and he was just building up the team. Um, you know, as for Ponga as well, I think he had had a pretty decent game. You know, those cutout balls are deadly, man. He he's um he's, he's definitely <laughs> definitely someone to keep a keep a close eye on when it comes to, you know, doing the cutout ball to his winger. So, um, but yeah, Moses had one try, one try assist, 15 runs, 145 run metres. So, he was my man of the match. But what about you, man? Are you on Tennessee or? No, no, I'd still go Mitch Moses, mate. And I think, you know, I I watched Mitch Moses play a lot of foot footy when he was growing up. He came through in the Balmain system and he was just always the best player in that age group. But, you know, it'd be the chip over the tops. It'd be the no lookers. It'd be the cutout. It'd always be the, the you know, the the big highlight play. But it'd always work for him. And sometimes I think that's a massive curse when you come into first grade that you can't be doing that stuff all the time. And Mitch started his career. Everything was the chip over the top. It was the cutout. It was the no looker. And over the last two years, he's really matured and really developed into a halfback. And I, and I noticed you said the key word about three or four times, and it's pressure. He's able to build pressure now, whereas... Mitch Moses grew up playing footy where he didn't have to build pressure. He he, he could just I, I I've always said like it's a it's a massive curse when you're the guy that has the big play in him because you always want to go for the big play and most of the time when you're yeah. a junior you'll get away with it but once you get up to first grade and it's against coaches and teams that know how to defend that sort of stuff it's about building pressure it's it's it turns into a game of chess all of a sudden and. Mate, I love the development of Moses over the last 18 months. I think it's been unreal. I, I think he deserved his origin debut. Um, I think if, if it was a, a decider, I would have gone with Adam Reynolds or someone like that. But I think it was a great experience yeah. for Mitch Moses. And I, I think he's going to be better for the run. Do I think he's going to come out and, and play in the Panthers this week? Probably not. Like, it's still part of his development mm-hmm. to go to that next level. But to own a finals game, uh, and I, I think this is something that people, people are like, oh, it's just the Knights. It's like, yeah, that's fine. But... I mean, he's still moving in the right direction. Everyone takes these steps. Some people do it in, you know, a completely different manner. Some guys can come in and do this when they're 21. Some guys, they develop later when they're 28, 29. And Mitch Moses, he's one of those guys. I really like what I'm seeing from him at the moment, though, mate. It's uh, it's good to see. Yeah, 100%, man. Um, I think, you know, um, someone was saying, I think it might have been Ice from like SCR. He's like, you know, the only way that, you know, if you look at someone like the Bulldogs, the only way he is up. Um, obviously Para are in that top eight um, conversation and, and potentially top four, who knows? But um, you know, I, I think I think we're moving in the right direction. I think Brad Arthur, you know, well, even when we look at Mitch Moses, you know, he came in um, I think it might have been was it twenty seventeen Moses came in? I think it was halfway through yeah, twenty seventeen, yeah. Yeah. So he came in and I think I think they might have finished still maybe down the bottom that year, but the year after, you know, they were they were they're making making some moves and, and climbing their way up the ladder. So, um, you know, I think Brad Arthur's a dedicated coach. I think the boys have a really strong relationship with him. Um, but 
probably my biggest heartbreak. Um, probably more so if, if Parra lost yesterday, obviously that would have broke my heart. But uh, Connor Watson leaving Newcastle, man, it's a, it's a tough 257 heartbreak to, uh, to take that one. Oh, mate, and the, mate, it must be the word you use, heartbreaking. It must be heartbreaking for Newcastle. I mean, considering everything with Connor Watson, how well he's played up there, that he's got this roaming 13 role, that he's best mates with KP, that he's got the podcast he does every week with him, he's got his own little small business up there, and he's still left. The Knights must be just be sitting there going, fuck it. Like, I mean, I, I, I keep saying it, and pe- people keep saying, no, it's ridiculous. But would it surprise you if in 18 months, Caelan Ponger and, and, and Mitch Pierce weren't there either? I don't know. The, the optics just aren't good, and it seems to be... You know, Tex Hoy, he's fallen out of favour as well. Hey, mate, he was a superstar coming through. Phoenix Crossland, all that we heard about was Phoenix Crossland last mm-hmm. year. He's fallen off the side of the earth as well. So it's a very... I, I feel like there's a little bit more going on at Newcastle than uh, what we're getting an understanding for. Yeah, and, and, you know, you're getting... Um, you know, media's media. They're going to spin in all different directions. But you're getting the report that you know, Ponga doesn't want to go anywhere. He's, he's shut down the idea of union... Um, so I, I don't know. I think, and the reason being, he wants to stick around to win a premiership with Knights, but something's got to change, man. Like, although they made the top eight this year, I don't know. They weren't that convincing either. Um, in my opinion, like, I think they were the third worst attacking team in the comp. So if, um, if you want to win a premiership, I think, you know, Caelan might eventually refer to, refer to the numbers and, and work out. You know, if there's actually a future there at the night. So, um, you know, it would be interesting to see him, you know, who knows, Papenhausen might get an offer that he can't refuse and move on. And, you know, Melbourne might pick up Ponga, and I hate to see that happen because, you know, Ponga's already as good as he is, but I hate to see him in like a, you know, an A-team, A-team side. So, yeah, but that's pretty much a wrap on today, man. Um, thank you so much for obviously, you know, sitting down with me and having a chat and going through this um you know, week one preview. I really appreciate it, man. Nah, I thoroughly appreciate you having me on, mate. Really enjoyed it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, deep dive there into finals week one. Cannot wait for finals week two. What are you uh, What are you tipping in those games, mate? We've got the Western Sydney derby, your boys, Parramatta Penrith. Who are you taking? Thank you, Parramatta. Look, I'm going to tell me Yeah, look, I'm... Um, you told me at the start of this podcast that, you know, you, you don't support a team and that, that leads you to not being biased. And, you know, I'm a paramedic supporter through and through, but if I'm um, if I'm facing reality and, and, you know, being honest with myself, I think, you know, us as Penrith, um, they lost last week. I think they get the job done this week against Para. Yeah. And are we both going Manly or what? I'd, I'd take Manly over Roosters, I think. Um, there is a potential upset on the cards, but... I listened to um, Daily Chair Evans' um, media conference this morning and he just said, you know, we've, we've had a chat about things. We've looked over the game. It's, um, and someone said, oh, is it you know, harder to look at because it's the finals game against us, mate? 
to be honest, not really. Like, you know, a loss, a loss is a loss. Um, we just got to take it with a grain of salt, get better and, and move on. And, and um, you know, with the challenge ahead for this week against the Roosters. So, look, I'm, I'm going to take Manly in this one. Um, I don't think Roosters can do as good as a job at, you know, copying how Melbourne was shutting down Tommy. Um, you know, maybe if they had all their style players in, who knows what can happen. Like, Kiri, I know, is a massive out for them. Um, they've had some boys retire this year. But, yeah, I'm taking Manly on that one, man. Yeah, no, I, I think I'd have to go the same as you, mate. But uh, thanks for having me on, mate. I really do appreciate it. Love what you're doing as well, mate. Some of your designs are insane. And the uh, the rate that you're, that you're tuning them out too, uh, very, very impressive, mate. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, um, yeah, just trying to stay consistent with it. Love rugby league, love designing. So it um, doesn't feel like I have to you know, crush myself to release anything, but it's good fun. Mate, you're preaching to the choir. Don't worry about that. Uh, thanks, brother. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.